Let's just get straight into it, eh? No breaks. If you've got a Bible handy, uh, can you turn to... We're going to start with Matthew 27. That's quite cool, eh? March 27th, Matthew 27. M27, like that kind of thing, eh, Dad? (laughs) I like it too. 27 is my favorite number, I think because my birthday is on 27th. Not today. Wish it was. So uh, we're going to start with Matthew 20, um, start in Matthew 27, and then then we'll go straight to Psalm 22. So uh, if you've got two fingers, then you might want to stick one in Psalm 22 as well. (laughs) He's got two fingers. Good. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. be careful how you do that, eh? Oh Lord, thank you for for your word. Thank you for this uh, series that we've been going through. That the seven sayings from the cross, the seven things that you said from the cross, Jesus. May you speak to us today. May you speak to us today. When you speak, our walls come down. When you speak, our life is restored. But it's like when you speak, your kingdom comes. So would you speak to us today? And, and we continue to um, expect that you're you're lifting up the discouraged. You're lifting you're lifting off discouragement. Lifting off disappointment. Come Holy Spirit. So Matthew 27, I'm going to pick it up at verse 33. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him. And over his head they put a charge against him which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now we'll go to Psalm I'm going to read Psalm 22, 1 through to 18. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. 
To you they cried and were rescued, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble was near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. But dogs encompass me. A, com- a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Oh, now I'm crying again. The moving passages. So, our son, Eli, was born a year ago on Friday. And I've, I've mentioned it quite a few times, but the last 12 months have been tough. Oh my goodness, they've been challenging in so many, so many different ways. Like, especially uh, for, for Tessa and I, the, uh, the nights, Eli is not renowned for, um, for sleeping all the way through. You sometimes hear about these babies, I don't know if they really exist, but apparently they can sleep all the night through. He didn't do that. And so it's been really, it's been really challenging. It's getting better. Yes, thank you, God. Like last night, I think he slept all the way from, I don't know, one until six. That's amazing. That's amazing. So grateful. It's been challenging, though. Been challenging, the nights. The surgeries, you know, uh, if you know Eli, he's had three head surgeries uh, in his first, um, actually, I think it was in his first 10 months. It's hard. And so, you know, I've told this story before about how uh, I'd be trying to get him to sleep at night and be walking around our room or walking around the house trying to get him, uh, like if you've got children, you can relate, trying to get him to sleep. And, I, and nights are tough and I'd be crying out to God, oh God, <laughs> oh God, like get my, make Eli sleep, make Eli sleep. I'm desperate, I'm so tired. I, I think probably averaging about five hours of sleep a night, broken sleep for I don't know how many months. It was rough. Oh God, I cry out by day. By night, I find no rest. It's exactly it. I'm not trying to say that having a sleepless night is anything like being crucified, okay? That's the story, right? It's been, ch- it's been challenging. Church leadership is, my goodness. <laughs> you don't want to look at the stats of pastors resigning over the last two years. Brutal brutal and you guys have been great but um it's just been tough there's so many changes going on it's just so tough uh last time i spoke um which is a few weeks ago 
And I and I I, I mentioned about how I uh, was out for a, out one day, and I and I and I felt like I needed to. I felt like I needed to forgive God. And um, or this idea, this feeling of forgiving God, and I knew, and I still know that that language isn't right. Forgiving God, right? It's not right. So I want to kind of unpack that a little bit more. But what I, at the time I, I told you about how uh, I realized that I, I was blaming God for all these hard things that were happening. It's your fault, God. Or why aren't you answering my prayers, God? And so. You know, God is good. God, God is like the definition of God. God is perfect in all his ways. Everything he does is good. He cannot wrong us. He's God. But sometimes, and I wrote about this in the, in the CV email on Friday, like his ways are hidden from us. And his ways are even confusing from our perspective. And we and I feel let down when God doesn't answer our prayers or do what we hope for. Or... Or when God doesn't do what we expect God should do, should, and you know, from our perspective. And what do we what do we do then? So as I was kind of reflecting on this whole idea of forgiving God, I realized that this that I that I felt that I felt I feel disappointment in God. Great pastor, eh? <laughs> Pastors aren't meant to that tell you that kind of thing, but it's true. I feel disappoint felt and sometimes feel disappointment in God. And 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 uh, rather than dealing with this in the good way, I was, I was developing or I was holding on to a grudge. And this is really what I was trying to get at a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, with my concept of forgiving God. And I, re- I do apologize if that was un- unclear, okay? Sorry for that. God is perfect in all his ways, so we don't forgive God. God can do no wrong. So, so if I feel, and if I feel like I need to forgive God for something, then, then that highlights, that reveals something that's going on within me, right? I felt disappointment. And then this led to the kind of the thought that I had something to forgive God for. So what do you do? What do you do if you feel let down by God? What do you do if you feel forsaken by God? I think like as we look at these two passages, Psalm, uh, Matthew 27 and Psalm 22, it kind of... It, it, tell, it kind of speaks into this a little bit, a lot. When I read those passages, uh, one after the other, you might have noticed that these, these parallels between those passages, eh? And it's like the writer of Psalm, King David, like he's experiencing something. Don't know what it is. He's experiencing something, but he's also prophetically speaking of something that's going to happen like a thousand years in the future. And then... And then, when, uh, and then when, when Matthew writes his gospel, he's like highlighting to us these, these parallels or these moments going this, look at this in Psalm 22. In Psalm 22, it's like so moving to read it because you're, it's like you're reading like a first person experience from the cross. Like you're reading, like Jesus said seven things on the cross. I think, well, I love what you said, Matthew, uh, Matt, how... Um, it took so much energy to speak, so he, so, so he didn't need to say much. Couldn't say much, perhaps. And so then you look at Psalm 22, and it speaks into that. You go, oh, Jesus, this is what you experienced. Psalm 22:18 says, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Matthew 27, 
35 says, And when they crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Psalm 22, 7, All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. Matthew 27, 39, And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads. Psalm 22, 8, He trusts in the Lord. You can hear the mocking, eh? He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Matthew 27, 43, he trusts in the Lord. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him, for he said, I am the Son of God. And there's Psalm 22, 1, where we started. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Matthew 27, 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Hebrew way of saying Eli is Eli. Eli, 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 Eli. Lamasabak. And it's like this mixture of uh, Hebrew and, and Aramaic. Aramaic was the everyday language spoken by, by people at the time. Hebrew was, was more, like the, uh, more like sort of the upper class educated people that speak Hebrew. And so when you look at um, in, uh, Matthew, it says, Eli, Eli. And then when you look at Mark, we're at the same account. It says, Eloi, Eloi. But it's sort of like this mixture of Aramaic and Hebrew. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? I'm reading, uh, this is just quoting from the ESV study Bible notes, and it says, some of the most profoundly mysterious words in the entire Bible. (laughs) No biggie to preach on that. Some of the most profoundly mysterious words in the entire Bible. I'll just continue reading what it says in these notes. In some sense, Jesus had to be cut off from the favor and fellowship with the Father that had been his eternally because he was bearing the sins of his people and therefore enduring God's wrath. And yet, in quoting Psalm 22, Jesus probably has in mind the remainder of the psalm as well, which moves on to a cry of victory. And he expresses faith, calling God, my God. Eli, Eli. If you want, if you want a, a moving experience, you could look up on YouTube, uh, and, and uh, just see from, um, watch the clip from The Passion uh, of the Christ, Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, where Jesus cries out, Eli, Eli. But, oh, it's full on. Continue reading these notes. Surely Jesus knows why he is dying, for this was the purpose of his coming to earth. He spoke about this earlier in Matthew. And surely his cry, uttered with a loud voice, is expressing not bewilderment at his plight, but witness to the bystanders and through them to the world that he was experiencing God-forsakenness. Not for anything himself, in himself, but for the salvation of others. I remember uh, talking to uh, someone a while ago, and you might have had this uh, sort of conversation as well, and they told me that they, that they didn't believe in God. They couldn't believe in God because how could God allow the suffering and evil like, like the Holocaust and, and all kinds of other, other moments in history? And, and there's different ways you can think about that, but I, I often think about this, this moment from the cross 
You know, why doesn't God prevent suffering? Why doesn't God, you know, stop evil? And but here we've got God, God in the flesh, Jesus on the cross, the Son of God, suffering horrifically, suffering in sheer agony. God in the flesh, suffering and died for us. Like, God is a God that enters into our suffering. He doesn't do the things that we expect. And Jesus, it's, it's like, man, this is mysterious because Jesus is, you know, God in the flesh. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Trinity. And here's God, Jesus, God in the flesh. The Son of God is crying out to God. Eli, Eli, Lamar, Samukthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's like he's crying out to God the Father or God the Holy Spirit in this moment of separation, perhaps. And in Psalm 22, the writer King David, he, he, con- he continues, Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. This is Jesus, like in the afternoon on the cross. I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Verse 3, you are holy. Yet you are holy. You're enthroned on the praises of Israel. And you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. And you they trusted and were not put to shame. I'm going to give you some homework. <laughs> Who likes homework? <laughs> yes, some of you do. Uh, after, after this, when you go home, yeah, you're giving homework's fun, eh? But this is great homework. You'll enjoy this homework. After this morning, when you go home, read through Psalm 22. Spend some time reading through Psalm 22. And as you read, like, just notice the ebb and, and the flow. You might even like, get a pencil out and, and like, just notice. You've kind of got the stanzas, right? the paragraphs off the, off, the, off the poem, off the song. And you might want to write next to it, ebb, flow, ebb, flow. Like these moments of like, oh God, why have you forsaken me? Ebb, right? Why have you forsaken me? And then the next stanza flows. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praise of Israel. The next stanza, but I am a worm and not a man. Ebb. Next stanza, yet you are he who took me from the womb. It flows. So do that in your own time. And notice how, how you have this, this ebb and the flow, and it's as though... King David is expressing this internal dialogue. It's like he's wrestling with himself. Have you had these kind of wrestling matches? And it's like he's saying, and he says it in brutal honesty, and so we can be honest because King David's honest. If someone at the front of, you know, someone preaching can't be honest, then, man, we're not following the scriptures, right? It's like he's saying in brutal honesty, this is how I feel. You've forsaken me, God. You don't answer me. And then the next stanza, the flow. But this is what I believe. This is what I believe. This is what my faith is. And you see this ebb and the flow and the ebb and the flow and the back and the forth and the wrestling. And then about, then about halfway through, it changes. And it begins to flow 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 and it, to flow and it ends on this like crescendo, this, this high. It, begins, it flows with hope and promise. And it's as though... David feels, for, it's, it's, even though David feels forsaken, he realizes God has not forsaken him. And I, and I wonder, I think about Jesus on the cross, and I wonder if he's having a wrestling match as well. God in the flesh, 
Was, was it that he felt physically, he felt the pain, he felt the suffering, he felt the weight of the sins of the world upon him. He felt this intense loneliness and he was wrestling, he was wrestling with what he believed to be true, what he knew to be true. He is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus. What he knew to be true in his heart, and yet what his body is experiencing, what we experience. All right, so going to watch um, now the, the video. You know, we're doing this series, uh, watching these videos from Tear Fund. Can you cue that up, guys, and give me a thumbs up when it's ready to go? Anna, can you turn off that light? All good? Okay. Let's watch it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was going on when Jesus voiced these words? My God, my yes. God, why have you forsaken me? What was going on when Jesus voiced these words? Yes, Jesus was atoning for the sins of the world, and he was also experiencing one of the most powerful of human emotions, loneliness. The scriptures are like a script for navigating life. They give us language to express in both normal and abnormal moments. In this moment, we see Jesus reach for scripture. The words he cries out are from Psalm 22. Now the Gospels only quote the first line of this psalm, but Jesus and those hearing him would have known the whole psalm. And Jesus may have even said or even sung the whole thing. And so an interesting question arises. When Jesus says to God, why have you forsaken me? Is this a literal description of the Father's relationship to him in that moment? Well, when we look at the rest of Psalm 22, we can see that it doesn't actually stay in that place of loneliness. This suggests that Jesus had an underlying confidence that the Father remained with him. Listen to verse 24. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Yes, on the cross, Jesus really did carry our sins. He bore the weight and burden of human sin. He experienced incredible loneliness. But with the help of the Spirit and the Scriptures, Jesus pushed through the feeling of loneliness to a confident trust in the Father. When we admit our sin and cry out to God for salvation, we find that God, like the Father in the story of the prodigal son, was watching and waiting for us the whole time. And so can you trust that God is present whenever you feel loneliness and that His Word provides hope for those times? It's, uh, <clears throat> just gets me, it's been quite interesting preparing for this message because I'll sit down to work on it and start crying. <laughs> There's an old quote you might have heard. <clears throat> Never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. Might be old, but it's true. The season we've been in and, and, we're, still, and we're still in, it's been tough, right? And it's been long. 
and you might feel uh, let down. You might feel disappointed in God. As we talked about before, you might be feeling discouraged. You might feel forsaken. I want to remind you and remind myself, after the ebb comes the flow. Uh, this is the phrase, the ebb and flow, it comes from the tides of the ocean. The tide goes out, you know, the ebb, it ebbs. And then the tide comes in, flow. The tide doesn't keep going out forever. In fact, the further it goes out, <laughs> you know you're in for a bit more flow, right? Tsunami. After the ebb comes the flow. And it's barely noticeable at first when it changes. Perhaps not even fishermen or prophets know of the turning of the tide. But it is coming. We are not forsaken. We are not forsaken. God has not forsaken us. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, speaking of the enemy. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13.5, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28.20, Jesus said, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Great to have tissues on tap right here. But as I was preparing, I really felt that there's like this promise here, like a, almost like a prophetic thing for us to hold on to and to almost like speak out when you're in the ebb and the place of ebb, I'm ebbing, <laughs> you know? The tide is going to come in. It is. It is. So why don't you stand? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you suffered in our place. Thank you that you took upon yourself the, the sins and the weight of the world. Thank you that you cried out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Thank you, Jesus, that you do not forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that you're big enough to handle our disappointment, our, our discouragement, and even our, our cries. Thank you, Lord, that you give us a gift of faith, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you're working in this place. Thank you, Lord, that even though we might not see it, you, uh, you are doing a new thing. Thank you, Lord, that... At the, when the time is right, the tide is going to turn. Thank you, Lord. Like what we're singing this morning, oh Lord, we seek your face. Breathe in us. Breathe in us. And so we continue to cry out, Lord Jesus, would you breathe on us? Lord, would you uh, equip us and, and, and set us up for the, for the new season that we're going to be stepping into? Because I'm sick of the season, Lord. <laughs> But I believe that you're doing a good thing most of the time. <laughs> but thank you, Lord, that after the ebb comes the flow. Thank you, Lord, for, for King David and, the, and his faith. Thank you, Lord, for, that you, you're building us up. 
Thank you, Lord, for your spirit here with us today. Thank you, Lord, that even when we're at our worst, that your arms are open to us, inviting us in to fellowship and, and to hold us tight. Thank you, Lord, that when we cry out to you in the middle of the night, that even though it feels like you might be distant, that you're actually much closer than we can imagine. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you'd, you'd bless us, you'd bless your sons and daughters for everyone here, that we'd have a, a, a new reassurance of your nearness to us, that you're with us in the storm, that, yes, we might need to experience the storm, we might go through it, we do go through storms, but you're with us in it, and you, your purposes are being worked out through it, Lord. My God, my God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you today. Thank you, Lord. Amen.